Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast, and we are back in black, ladies and gentlemen. Sitting across from me is the one and only Christopher T. Barty Bardo. How are you, mate? Hey, Trey. Hey. hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're very musical over I'm there, good. Uh, I'm pretty good. Because uh, it's semi-final time, Pat. Semi-final time, baby. Semi-final time. We made it. We made it through the wilderness. <laughs> Like a warner, <laughs> batting for the very first time. Um, yep, now we're here. It's good. Oh, my, it's been long, Pat. It's been long. It's been a lot of games, a lot mate. Of games, mate. A lot of games. A lot of a big lot time. Of games. Yep. You don't want to biff it now, mate. You don't want to biff it now. <laughs> and we did biff it somewhat. <laughs> we biffed we, it a little. We, we did a little bit of biffing. Um, yep. Do you think this is comeuppance, Chris? Australia losing to South Africa. Do you reckon this has comeuppance for all of our sledging of South Africa over the last sort of, you know, five, six, seven episodes of the pod? <laughs> well, um, look, uh, better late than never, I suppose. Well. Um, it turned out to be a hell of a game, didn't it? Yeah, hell of a game. Um, but uh, look, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, if you're going to lose one, this is the one to lose. That's, you know... Um, it sets up a it sets up a a, a great clash Oof. against England in the semis. Um, we're all gonna, we're all excited for that. So, look, if you're going to lose one, this is the one to lose. So at least almost, we went uh, through. You know, at least we went, yeah, through. went through. You know, yeah. And at the end of the day, finish first, you finish fourth, finish second, finish third. Doesn't matter because you lose next week. It, well, on Tuesday, Thursday, it's all over. Yeah, so it doesn't right. matter where you finish, really. And the other piece of good news is that because of um, some transit issues and uh, starting a new job, Chris the Goodman Goodrick was unable to send us a tape, so we don't even have to listen to him gloating um, this week, which I think I'm actually pretty thankful for. That's gone about as well it could go, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be some rebound. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, well, I'm disappointed. Well, it would have been a party, wouldn't it? It would have been, been, been a party. It would have been a real party. Um, would have been a big party. I don't know. I've never been to South. I've never been to a South African party. I'm sure so it would have been something. But um, a lot of grilled meats, look, from what I understand, at South African parties. A lot of grilled yeah. meats. Poitki, poitki. Yeah. You ever had a poitki? No, I never have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got also got interjections from TK Hawkey, Michael Wood, Jai Singh, and Adam Hassan is back in town. So we'll be looking forward to hearing from those guys. I also just had a quick chat with Heidi Cheadle, B-Train. Um, oh. Hides is back. Hides is back to break up the uh, the bromance, which is just two for none. So uh, really excited to have Hides back in the chair. Um, obviously oh, so good. Been an incredible sort of week of women's sport mm. across the board. Oh, huge. Huge. Uh, women's sport continues to be on the up and up as it should be. Um, the uh, Southern Stars, poor boy. Um, Southern I didn't Stars. Even know the, I mean, the, the Ashes has just started and it's already over. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I mean I don't know, maybe it's not over yet, but it's we're, we're sitting pretty. The ICC needs to do something about the um, the the scheduling of that. I think we need, we need yeah. a couple more tests. Like, let's let's make this a thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's a thing, but I think you're right. I think the scheduling is kind of not ideal. Um, it doesn't really give them a lot of air, you know breathing space uh, because you know you've singled you, you've sorry scheduled probably the biggest women's head-to-head contest on the calendar at the same time as the biggest men's competition of every four-year cycle. 
Um, and they're in the same, and it's going on in the same country. Yeah. At the same time, I just I'm not sure about that one. Um, I as like a um, an intermediary between the the men's World Cup and the um, Ashes. It would have been beautiful, or even as like a partnering fixture to the totally. men's Ashes. Totally, you know, that would have been. Imagine having that going on at the same time. Um, then I feel like be we awesome. focused on it a bit, Chris, because at the moment I feel like we've, yeah. we've almost lost it in the wash. Um, but we haven't. We caught it in the wash. We saw it go in with the whites and we pulled it out right. and we we're going to wash it separately because that's the kind of conscientious guys that we are, Chris. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if that metaphor makes any sense, but I'm just going to leave it out there. Uh, let's, hear- <laughs> <laughs> let's hear from Heidi Cheadle uh, and check in with the Bill Win Women's World. And welcome back to Two for None, the one and only. It's Heidi Cheadle. Hides. I've missed you. How are you? Oh, man. What an introduction, can I just say. You're welcome. You are it absolutely welcome. Far, 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 far too long, man. There's been a lot like, of dudes on this podcast, Heights. There's been a lot of dudes. <laughs> they've been, they've been yeah, everywhere. There's a lot of energy around that. A lot of, lot of, a lot, lot of, of male. Lot of male lot energy. Of, yeah. And Heights, yeah. like. What what a couple of days for women's sport. Can we just say that? Like, the Women's Football World Cup's oh, been man. amazing. Are we talking about the tennis as well? The tennis? Ash Barty? needs to be spoken about. Ash Barty? What a legend. Also, sorry, that, like, child from Florida. Yeah. Killing it. Who is? Like, they're a I'm baby. Literally, I'm literally in two minds. It's like, I... I'm happy for you, but another child succeeding. <laughs> Every day, <laughs> creeping closer to death. for the people that picked at 11. <laughs> God, it's so selfish. Uh, and dude, like, I mean, I think we're just going to talk about it straight off the bat because uh, Elise Perry. Oh, man. Uh, Elise Perry. Six points up in the ashes. England, uh, hello. <laughs> I mean, we, we knew she was great. And we've been saying it for a long time, you and I and Chris as well, Hides, but the, you know, the 7 for 22 of 10 in the most recent ODI yesterday was just extraordinary. Like four maidens in an Ashes ODI against England, like in England. Insane. Really wild. Insane. Like what an incredible performance. And she's so modest too. Oh, like, did you hear that at the end? person. Did I ever? Of course, I ever listened to it seventy-eight times. <laughs> she is. Ah, oh, she's just so perfect, and she's so perfectly perfect. <laughs> Dude, what's going on with England though? Like in the first game, they make one seventy-seven. That's a fine score. In the second game, they make two seventeen. In the third game, they get rolled for seventy-five. Like, what's going on yeah. with the batters there? Man, that's. But see, it's all mental, man. Like, you. I don't know. They're all having a bad day and like poor Heather Knight being the captain of that mm. no I'm sure they're trying their absolute hardest sometimes it's not your day yeah and sometimes it's Elise Perry's day and most of the time it is Elise Perry's day yeah, I mean, that's 100% true I-, I wonder if it's the thing hides where the Aussies have just got in their head like, if we roll back to that first game, it was tight, you know? The Poms made 177 batting first. We yeah. we beat them with a couple of wickets and two not wickets a hugely, in hand. Yeah, not a hugely convincing win, I wouldn't have thought, for us, actually. Like, that was close. Really tight, right? And that's the sort of cricket you expect to be played that's, in England. Yeah, good contest, yeah. Good contest, like, equal contest between bat and ball. Um, I think the only highlight there was Natalie uh, Siver with 64 from 95. Jess Johansson back in the side hides. Are you yes, pleased to see I Jess know. back? 
Yes. I actually kind of thought they might give Nick Carey a bit of a run. Oh. A bit of a trundle down the old wicket. <laughs> but, like, you know, you've got to be patient. <laughs> when you've got seven, seven wickets by one human, there's not much room for the bowl. And DK, Delissa Kimmins, mate. She's, uh, she's been doing really well. I, I, I can't remember seeing much of her last year, but um, she's been... Yeah, yeah she's, she's been on the scene the last six months, hasn't she? She's been she's been beaten down the door, and in this team, that's 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 a that's a pretty impressive thing. I tell you what else I liked is so from one end you got Perry right bowling out swingers, and then the other end Megan Short was just sending these big hooping innies. Oh, uh, like I just like what would you do if she was coming in at you? How do you possibly prepare for something that starts on like the next pitch over and hits your middle stump? Yeah. Like how disappointing is a batter? The You'd ball like, got. Oh. Sarah Taylor seriously hooped in from about two foot outside. It's like, just wild. It was it it was big. Like um, she's so fierce, Megan, isn't she? She like she's always good. Yeah, she's a ferocious competitor. And look, look, Misley as well. Um, eight overs, two maidens, two for nineteen in that first game. Um, so you know we'll we'll pay that. Um, <laughs> we'll pay that. We'll give it a mention on the pod. We'll give it a mention on the pod. And Alyssa Healy too, mate. I mean. What do, what do you think has been the catalyst for Alyssa Healy's extraordinary form in the last 12 months? She's just been in undefeatable heights. Do you know, I think maybe she's like a little, like, I, th- I think even though she's incredible to so many, to her, she's probably still like, oh, I could be better. So I think maybe she's just got a bit more confidence and she's starting to believe that she does deserve to be there. Like, because she's only human. Like, we're all got the same thoughts. She's just on a bigger stage in front of tons and tons of people. Mm. Like, she's- I reckon just doing it like she's she's always good and that's what I find like so great like humbling because Elise Perry got out for seven like in the last game yeah and it's like she always gets runs and then she didn't and I was like okay you're human and then what does she do she comes down takes seven wickets like the batting didn't matter because it didn't matter (laughs) like I just oh and then Meg Lanning doubles down for a 50 and then they're like first one in seven games it's like oh my god you're the captain and in seven games you you haven't technically performed until now like you champion they just hang in there and they just go and go and go Dude, it's insane it's a lesson for everyone and and the lineup currently is just so strong you know i'm just looking down at now bolton healy lanning perry haynes mooney gardner johansson kimmins where a shoot um where i'm shoot i should say like that is that is some oh really God. powerful stuff that is that's terrifying for the opposition yeah <laughs> they're I all mean, big incredible names that's yeah they're all really big names in the sport um and in that in that first game lucy healy was 66 off 71 looked great hit a couple of sixes was really playing off her pads beautifully i heard the commentators say that she's the best on driver in women's cricket oh what a compliment which is it's a hard shot uh, yeah absolutely and was a, it's a big call too um but i think i think it was really fair we got across the line there and and hides um in the second game uh, a lot of credit has to go to Tammy Beaumont, hey, with a oh, hundred there. Own. Yep. Do you know much she, about her heights? What's her jam? What's her deal? She, do you know? I she's. I mean, she's always been good, and her and Sarah Taylor have had so many good innings as as together, and they just look like like when she bats, she just looks like she's just frothing at what she's doing. Like, mm-hmm. I think she just genuinely enjoys being out there. So when it comes off, it's like really like great to watch because it's like you baller. And again, you know, against a powerful bowling attack, the ball's been moving around a lot over there. Um, DK picked up five for though, five for 26 of seven hides. Um, it's like that like the Australian bowlers are all sharing their glory around. Well, it's nice to do that, isn't it? 
It's nice to do that hard. Real team playing. Real team playing. Share Real it around. Playing. Yep, I love it. Um, outside of that, though, the Poms pretty much fell apart. Poor old Tammy Beaumont couldn't buy a bloody person down the other end, couldn't buy a non-striker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was desperately singing there being like, I'd like to purchase a non-striker, Anyone. please. Anybody, Anyone, anybody please. around? Anybody able to? Uh, Danny Go White got a 25. Outside of that, nobody really got above 20. So um, tough, tough times for there. And in reply, Hides, you know, it's that woman, Elise Perry, again, was 62. Beth Mooney got a 43. Jesse Hansen got a 31. Um, Again, I just really feel like we're too strong. You know, England used about seven bowlers and lacked penetration across the board. Um, All of them went for about four and over. So I I think it's the kind of thing where the Aussies just look very difficult to bowl to at this point. Yeah, yeah. I agree. They just kind of had the upper hand, didn't they? Um, and, And tough to get around. And in that most recent game, yeah, it's nothing but the Perry show, mate. I mean... An extraordinary uh, piece of bowling from Elise, and as you say, like she's so humble about it that she you wonder is, if you, she's she? like living in the same universe as us. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Is she it's like ob- how have you been bred? <laughs> uh, is she observing the same stuff? Um, we can't give her enough credit there. Again, like <laughs> said, like seven to twenty-two <laughs> of ten. I don't even know what more to say. Um, Hides, talk to me about the test match that's upcoming. Uh, obviously, the tests happen so infrequently. It's hard to get an idea on form. Um, but give me some thoughts, feelings, and emotions of yours in the lead-in. Do you think it's going to be as much as a shellacking as the ODI series was? Well, no, I think it's a whole new ball game. Like, I think Australia will put this, like, the one days behind them and be like, this is a brand new, fresh start. Like, don't worry about the six we have ahead. It's, like, a totally different thing because, you know, and... I'm sure England are probably going in trying to, you know, remind themselves that it is a fresh start because, yeah, so it's brutal to be three down going into like a five-day match. Like the concentration and the, the you just yeah. got to trust your process and trust your training till you know last out there. I think it'll be, I think it'll be the contest starting all over again. To be honest, like England have to come firing and Australia have to stay where they're at and not get complacent. Yeah, and I guess complacency is the big is the big fear here for the Aussies. I mean, they have been so good in this in this ODI series that um, that's the only thing that could really stop them, I guess, Hides. Um, and, and the Duke's ball, you know, it does swing a lot more there. Um, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's Coke, so fair. Um, is is going to be another thing. But uh, anything you're looking forward to, Hides, in watching, in watching this uh, test series? Well, what should fans of the pod be looking out for? Oh, well, clearly... Um, you you can't be sleeping during the test. It's just not an option. <laughs> that's I would say that's my biggest piece of advice. There, don't miss a ball. <laughs> Do you call yourself a fan? Um, but secondly, I'm actually now I'm so keen because Sarah Taylor's back, mm. and I just feel like I'd like to go get a drink with her. So Sarah, if you're listening, <laughs> um, also what hair elastics does she use? Because under that keeping helmet, her hair doesn't move. Mine's like all over the shop when I'm trying to wiki. It's just a perfect bun. It's like, where? How? What? Were you impressed with her keeping, by the way? Oh, my God. Leg side stumping of the year. Dreams are made of that. Of a quick, know. too. That was Holy hell. That was seamless. Oh, my goodness. It was just brilliant. And it's like, she's not just a Miss Beat. And that's what I'm to say. Amy Jones loved her as well. And the poor thing with that leading edge ball, too. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal way to go. Brutal. One of the worst Brutal. modes of dismissal, I think, the leading edge. Absolutely diabolical. That's it, and it happened to Meg Lanning too. Ugh. And though you just saw like how disappointed it's like, oh my god, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel you. 
I've been there. But been I there. don't know. What are, you, what are you looking for, Jim? Well, I mean, what look. What are you going to keep your eyes open for? I'm going to keep my eyes open for Pez because I think she's in such dangerous form. And I'm going to keep my eyes open for Healy. I really think, Hides, that we're witnessing a real golden age of cricket. And unlike the 2000s in men's game, I'm I'm really just embracing every moment of this. That we've got to, we've got to really hold on to it um, because it's not always going to be this way. You know, um, I, I, maybe it will, but I think that this is such an extraordinary period of cricket that we've just got to, we've just got to enjoy every moment. Um, and and the big one there for me is going to be it's Perry, um, it's Healy, um, and it's DK. I think Blizzard okay. Kimmins is, is going to be a, a big one to watch, um, and and I can't get enough of this Megan Shute, um, Elise Perry opening combination. But I think there's going to be runs. I think there's going to be wickets. And if I'm honest, I feel in my heart like the palms are going to get pumped. I think we've yeah, got in their brains. I feel, yeah, I feel like we got to put it out there. Like we got to say what we feel. I feel like we're going to win it. I think we're going to. I think we're going to pump. I'm. I'm backing. I'm rooting for uh, Alyssa to. Is it Alyssa? I don't know. People call her everything. Let's call it Mitch. I'm rooting for Mitch <laughs> to get like runs, like boss runs, like just be the champion that she is. And I think Georgia Wareham will come out and. Roll a few leggies over and you know mix it up. Ah, well, hi, it's good prediction. Good prediction. Um, let's touch base again uh, on the back of the test match, and uh, we can see how we went with those claims. I'd really like to get you and Bardo on the same call if I can swing it. But that might take some real logistical wrangling. But leave that to me. I'll see what and I can do. And real commitment. Let's do it. Real commitment, Hides. Exactly. Real commitment. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, thanks so much for joining us on the pod. Lovely to hear your no, voice. Thank you, man. And um, we will speak to you again real soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Heidi. Great to have you back on the pod, Chris. Isn't it nice to just hear a voice, be trained, just have her around? Yep, so good. No, uh, I tell you what, um, Elise Perry, hey? 7 oh. for 22. Oh. Just insane. And some of those peaches were um, just delightful. I mean, Georgia um, called. They want their peaches back. They're calling Elise <laughs> being like, you got to bring them back, Elise. You can't keep them. Um, and uh, Elisa Healy, uh, you know. Extraordinary uh, form. Just doing what she does. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, some runs from Nicole Bolton would be nice, but can't have it all. Can't have it all. Can't have it all. Um, cannot have it all. But extraordinary form. And like I said to Hides, you know, I really feel like they're going to they're gonna pump them. I really feel like they're going to pump the palms. Mm. Um, mm. That's just how I feel in my heart. Uh, speaking of the palms, would you like to hear a little bit from TK Hawkey? Oh, just a little bit. So Tom recorded this. How is this for commitment, Chris? Tom recorded this interjection, this bulletin from a Brit, on his wedding night. Um, he recorded on his wedding night after his first dance. He nipped out, took a minute and a half to just drop us a tape. And and I, I just really wanted to applaud him for that. Because that's that's a huge well, effort, Pat. That's how you describe it. But Tom Hawkey is so committed to two for none. He's so committed to two for none that he says his wedding interrupted his two for none tape. <laughs> he said he had to schedule it around the tape. How extraordinary! Um, did everything he could to schedule his wedding on another day. Couldn't couldn't do it, but uh, you know, made it happen. And I, I um, you know, I, I'm just glad we could be part of the special day. To be honest, oh well, so am I. And congratulations to TK. Let's put that out in in concrete. Congratulations to the man, man. Let's let's hear him as he ducked away from his wedding to uh, to drop us a little moment of his time.
Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. I missed all of Saturday's action owing to the fact that I was too busy getting married in Slovakia. I allowed myself a sly look at the scores just after my first dance, and my jaw hit the floor. I'm afraid I don't have much in the way of in-depth analysis from England's last group game, other than to say that England totally smashed the Kiwis. And whilst they may have squandered a chance to post a big 400, they still showed just how strong they are with the bat before defending the total without breaking sweat. So, it's Australia next and not India. Still, if the Proteas can manage to beat the Aussies, England surely can, right? Well, so long as they learn the mistakes from the last game, mostly seeing off Mitchell Stark and the Dwarfs opening spells before attacking the rest of the bowlers, they should be fine. That and winning the toss would really help too. Hold up, TK. Mate, are you worried about this little piece of tactical play that Tom just outlined there, um, especially off the back of our loss to South Africa? Uh, bowling depth, Chris. If we don't get wickets mm. early, how could well, we? Look, Pat. Um, seeing off the new ball, what a revolutionary tactic from Tom. <laughs> as long as our openers see out the new ball, then we'll attack. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Okay, um, all right. You make a good point. I'll pay that. <laughs> Let's bring him back. So there you go. This one's short and sweet, just like my new wife. We're off on honeymoon now, but I'll be back to provide more updates from Indonesia when England finally add the World Cup to their list of achievements, including being the current Olympic cricket gold medal holders. Look that one up. And of course, coverage of England's glorious victory in the first Ashes Test. Ooh. Oh, all right, Ooh. TK. All right, mate. We'll believe Ooh. that when we see it. Um, yeah, all right, all right, all right. They all did right. have a pretty thumping victory over the Kiwis, uh, the Poms, you know, putting 304, 305, I'm sorry, on the board. Um, Johnny Bairstow mm. obviously scored a big 100 there and just routing the Kiwis. I think what they did display in that more than his excellent piece of tactical nous there, Bardo, is that if you get Williamson and Ross Taylor out, there's not a lot of depth in the Kiwis lineup. If you can get those two boys, then, you know, I'm just saying. Well, uh, look, I, I think New Zealand's strength is probably in its bowling. Um, so I think they give them, I mean, normally I'd say that they, have, they are better batting first um, and, and restricting the opposition team. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a few... Uh, a, a few boppers in there, um, you know, Latham, Taylor, Williamson, um, Guptul has had a bit of a lean trot, but in the past, when he's on, he's on. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a bit to work with there. It's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not nothing. Um, oh, for sure. I, but I think, sure, for sure, for sure. I think New Zealand's um, uh, strength for me is in their in their bowling. The likes of Bolt, Henry, Lockie Ferguson's been a bit of a revelation. Yeah, um, yeah he really has. Santner. Is so is you know decent, um, so yeah. I mean that's that's going to be a tantalising matchup against India too. I don't think that that's necessarily a foregone conclusion, but um, I think England were really you know have really identified their best eleven as well. So um, I think New Zealand uh, potentially 
looking to restrict a side batting uh, batting second is is probably a better move. But we'll wait and see. Um, they're certainly going to have their hands full against India. That's yeah, for sure. no, no doubt there, B Train. And you're right about England's batting lineup. We said it last week, but with Jason Roy back at the top, they look like a whole different side. Um, mm. And he can do so much damage. Him and Bairstow really do feed off each other, and and that that gives me mm-hmm. pause for thought. In, in preparation of our game on Wednesday, um, the sure. 9th, uh, against England in the semi-final. Um, moving on, B-Train, moving on, because we've got, we've got so many, there's a lot of stuff to get through today. Um, mm. Who would you like to hear from? Choice of Michael the Stuckwood from New Zealand, Adam Hassan from Pakistan, or Jai Singh? Um, I think I think we need to hear from uh, Michael Wood, Uh, uh given, as we've just talked about, New Zealand's big assignment coming up. Interested Let's, to hear his thoughts. Now, the stick did send to me... Now, he sent me this, right? He said, Kane will cane them, was the title of the email. And he said, my report is a little different this week. I hope that's okay. With a smiley face. So, I don't know what's about to happen here, Bardo. I have no idea. I'm just going to press play. And um, let's let's see what the stick's got been a bit different. I uh, I don't know what to say. I'm gonna keep going. All I just wanted to do was laugh. Sure. In denial, Captain will need to fire, or it will come down to the wire. The good looks of Bolton Henry will disarm the likes of Sharma and Cole. on the pipes there what a great set of pipes from michael wood how are yeah. those high notes chris oh that's um oh uh, well hey uh I, that's that's i'm speechless i'm speechless <laughs> i'm blown away um i i you know i didn't know i didn't know we had tim finn i didn't know i mean he's a finn he's the neil finn he's the third finn um michael the third uh, finn wood yeah we might have to call him three fin. I don't know. Um, I can't stop this anymore. We've got to keep going. The good looks of Bolton Henry will disarm the likes of Sharma and Coley. When you're in Stuart Island, try the trifle and Kane will cane them for the final. I love these boys. I want to kiss them on the mouth. Although that might not be too great for my house At the gates they might send me to hell That's only according to Israel for love Come at me now 
the likes of Sharma and Coley. 13 Thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, that and, was great. And listen, I was I was going for India before just to stick it to stick, but I'm not anymore. I'm 100% behind the Kiwis. No. I hope they make it in the final. <laughs> they can win the whole comp now. I've, I'm a convert. Yeah, bugger that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, just, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, good on you, Tom. You, you, you stopped your wedding, but where was the song, mate? Yeah, um, where's the song, TK? Pretty ordinary there. Uh, Where's the musical numbers? Why have we not had more musical what. numbers on the pod to date, Chris? What are we doing I, with our yeah, lives? We need more. We meet with that's the, uh, that, that's a, that's a uh, that's a new series resolution, Pat. Four songs. <laughs> um, I tell you what. Um, tough, tough act to follow. I think. Um, well, I don't think we need to say anymore. I think we'll just leave that there. I think we'll just um, leave that there. I think we just, I think we just need to move on to we need to move on to Jai Singh. I think that's what we need to do. Let's let's really change tone um, again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that opening musical number because now we're going to go into thick, thick statistical analysis. We're into the weeds, into the weeds. Let's get out of Broadway and go to the weeds. Oh man, I like. Just, yeah, as we said a little bit on New Zealand and Mike made a whole bunch of good points there. And they were really funny. And they were in song form and, oh boy, so good. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let's let's keep keeping on, Chris. Thank you, MJ Wood. You're just a legend. Um, and now we're going to expect that every time he comes on the pod. We, that, we, mm. I don't know that we can mm. have an interjection from Mike that's non-musical form anymore. No, I definitely prefer him in song. I... Um, I mean, he's great. I've listened talking. to him in spoken word, yeah. and I've seen him in text form. Yeah, and um, the the this the sung analysis is definitely his uh, strong suit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a kind of the it's kind of the equivalent of going around the wicket, isn't it? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know what it is? Yeah. It's like when Steve Smith started bowling offies in the nets. Um, is what it is. It's a whole new talent. Uh, that really, really just we just wanted to see shine. And uh, yeah. I, I, I sincerely hope Kane does cane them, MJ Wood. Mm. I, I sincerely mm. do. Um, so to, to really change gears, Jai has put in a huge tape, Chris. This thing is gigantic. <laughs> it's massive. Right. This is going to take us right. a while. So strap in. What he's done is he's... Um, I'm going to quote him here because I don't want to misquote him. I'm just going to read you the email that he sent me because it's it's he, he did warn me. He said, "Don't fall off your chair at the at the length of this. Half of it is given." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to warn you. It's long. It's going. It's long. But stay with me. Stay with us. Sure. 
Half of it is given over to the unsung heroes of Bangladesh and Afghanistan, who as whose as whose correspondent I wanted to moonlight. As a rep- as the representative of the most populous neighbour, it was my duty, like John Howard in East Timor. All right. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to know where to go from there. <laughs> sure. Look, hey, Australia did feel duty bound to East Timor. We so, did. Um, and I, and I will say, as the bloke in charge of correspondence, I gave it a red hot bloody go getting somebody from Afghanistan and somebody from Bangladesh in. I you couldn't did. swing it. So let's hear yep. Jai's analysis of those three teams. Um, and when we want to stop him, Chris, we're just going to say, hold up, hey, and uh, crack through. All right. Here we go. Here's Jai Singh. India finished off their group stage at this World Cup with two wins to top the group stage with seven wins from nine matches. India had a good win against Bangladesh. A spiteful observer might say this pays the Bangladesh back for ditching India out of World Cup 2007. But I'm full of admiration for the way Bangladeshi cricket has developed. It's 20 years since their breakthrough win against Pakistan in the World Cup in 1999 that propelled them to fast-track test status, and you can see how much a cricketing culture and environment develops in 20 years. Bangladesh now play in a way befitting a team that is in its third generation of international cricket. Since 2005, when they had that win against Australia in Cardiff, their wins have gone from being shocks to upsets to now where they're contenders every time they step onto the ground. There really isn't a time they look completely outmatched before a match now. They were genuine semi-final contenders right up until the final week of the group stage, and they had a real shot of pipping the number one ranked team. As it was, they outperformed powerhouses such as the West Indies, South Africa and Sri Lanka, and they didn't lose much by comparison with Pakistan or New Zealand either. I remember back in 2007, a mate of mine took a cab ride with a Bangladeshi taxi driver who told him Bangladesh would be the world's top team in 2020. How we laughed. But credit where credit's due, and accounting for hyperbole, the taxi driver's prediction wasn't a long way off the money. Bangladesh have a quartet of bankable stars in former hard-hitting opener-turned-senior statesman Tamim Iqbal, the world's premier all-rounder and possible man of the tournament, Shakibul Hassan his team's best batsman and best bowler, doing the Jacques Cullis role of batting at three and bowling ten overs, but not having Donald Pollock and Tini and Stain backing him up. Punchy wicketkeeper batsman Mushfiqur Rahim and middle-order batsman Mabukullah. They've got one of the game's Let's best there, bowlers coming. Um, buddy, can you imagine if Shakib Hassan had Donald Pollock and Stain running in behind him? Like... He would yeah. be a, a destroyer of worlds. He'd be Thanos. He'd be the Thanos <laughs> of cricket. Uh, look, it certainly makes a case, doesn't he? Um, a bit of a revelation. Um, and I think Jai makes a, a really great point there. Um, Bangladesh aren't to be taken for granted anymore. I think gone are the days that we're going to turn up with a hangover um, <laughs> to play them. Um, uh, just enjoyable to watch. Uh, throughout and certainly the way in which they carry themselves on the field as well I think um, uh, not only the um, this, the technique with which they play but the way in which they play the manner in which they play the game has been enjoyable to watch and um, look their, their supporters uh, are up there with the most enthusiastic in the world and it's, I think it's just been a real pleasure to have them um, as part of the World Cup and this might be the tournament in which they've arrived I completely agree, Chris. And it's, you know, like, I love their fans. And they're really developing their own brand of cricket, too, which is quite distinct from that of India or Pakistan. You know, it's a, it's a really it's a really different vibe. Uh, let's get back into Joe. The ball is coming back into form in Mustafizur Rehman. 
and they just need a good new ball bowler to replace Captain Mushrafi Mortaza, who is quite literally on his last legs. Australian context, think Ryan Harris and knee trouble. Shakib was top of the run scorers list at the time Bangladesh bowed out, with his 606 runs being the third highest World Cup total ever, behind Tendulkar in 2003 and Hayden in 2007. He's since been overtaken by a couple of others in this tournament. Shakib didn't play the semi or the final though, so if Bangladesh had gone all the way, we'd have expected him to set an all-time record. Mustafizur, meanwhile, was only four wickets behind Mitchell Stark as leading wicket-taker. Those are some serious performances. Who knows, if we took a trip in my time machine, maybe we'd find a few years hence that people from West Bengal in India are playing up their Bengali identity and supporting their cousins across the border. I'm probably going off into taxi drive uh, hyperbole here, but I do love a good rags-to-riches cricketing tale. Anyway, I seem to have got sidetracked from my own team here, but I thought the time had come to do a bit of a shout-out to one of the teams that has punched above its weight in this tournament without a correspondent to represent its interests. Obviously, I don't have to speak for all the minnows. South Africa have already got their own correspondent on two for none. But I thought it was time someone stepped in to blow the associates' trumpets, which incidentally sounds like something that happens in a really dodgy law firm. Moving quickly on, I'd also like to pay tribute to Afghanistan. Hold up. That is. This is the Can we just quickly point out that Jai had uh, two solid burns in a row there? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Joe Burns and Monty Burns. Uh, two in a row. Uh, just really good. <laughs> really good. Really good. Really good. Uh, here we go. What a story that is. This is the generation that grew up in the wake of the US invasion, when there wasn't even much of a country left. The generation before that had been under the thumb of the Taliban, who weren't exactly cricket fans. These guys grew up in a country gripped by tyranny and then war, and they learned the cricket in refugee camps in Pakistan. That two of them, Rashid Khan and Muhammad Nabi, are hot properties in the T20 auction world is testament enough to their talent, to their talent and resilience. What I find exi- exciting about this World Cup is the emergence of two batsmen who displayed a 50 overs temper. Hold up. Chris, can I, can I just quickly say... How wonderful mm. it is to go from mm. a Broadway musical number about Kane uh, and mm. the New Zealand cricket side into Jai Singh talking about the oppression of the Taliban. And, yeah. and just, you know, the the breadth of discourse which happens on this podcast is, is sure. not to be underestimated. I, I, you know what I mean? Well, it's good. It's a good thing we're here, Pat, because we lower the tone. Um, <laughs> We make we make two for none accessible uh, to the common man. The because everyman. I'll tell you what, with to the to the everyman, um, uh, to the man that isn't so familiar with, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, Broadway theater, songs. music, yep, musical yep, yep. theater, and um, the spoken word. Um, you know, we we make it accessible with our nonsense in between. Um, we are the jam in the truffle. Um, <laughs> trifle, trifle. See, there you go. I, I said jam and a truffle. Imagine a mushroom with jam on it. Oh, um, disgusting, but uh, I feel ill. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Truffle. Jam and the truffle. Um, whereas these guys, they're the custard. You know, they're the yeah. custard. They're, they're the sponge. They're the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're yeah. just holding it together. I, I, now I just want trifle. Yeah, not truffles. In a team that mostly plays ODIs as though they're T20s. Besides Ramat Shah, who contributed throughout the campaign, their replacement wicketkeeper Ikram Alikhil 
registered the highest ever World Cup score by an 18-year-old with 86 from 94 balls against the West Indies to go past Sachin Tendulkar's pair of 80s in 1992. Not a bad name to knock off top spot. Anyway, back to what I'm paid for. Incidentally, I'm assured the cheque is in the mail, but who uses cheques these days? Uh, yeah, cheques definitely in the mail. Uh, just keep just keep checking uh, uh, Audible if you're listening and you want to start advertising on the pod. Uh, send me an email. Um, need to uh, sort Jai out. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't have to be Audible. We will accept a lesser audiobook hey we'll accept anybody with money anybody with dollars that wants to give them to us yep Yep, that'd be great yeah yep yep as long as it's legal um (laughs) yeah 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 i think i may have been played there here's a quick discussion of india's performance india rejigged their bowling slightly bringing back bhuvneshwar kumar in place of kuldeep yadav and retaining muhammad shami ahead of the second spinner against bangladesh where shama hit a brilliant hundred again bringing his count to four this world cup he did enjoy a reprieve, and I read after the Bangladesh game that he'd made 369 runs this tournament after receiving let-offs out of a total of 546 runs at that point. <clears throat> so I did a quick count, and that means that the runs Rohit Sharma shouldn't have made in this tournament to date would have come in at number 11 in the list of top run scorers. Insert catches-win-matches cliche here. After an opening partnership of 180... Hold on, Jai, hold on. 364 runs Rohit Sharma should not have scored in this tournament, Bardo. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, That's massive. You know, you've got to take, take your chances. And as Jai says, uh, catches win, uh, win the proverbial. So you've got you've to take your catches. It, it's really that simple, particularly with a quality batsman uh, uh, like Sharma. It's, uh, it, it's fatal. Um and when you consider that uh, Kohli didn't exactly fire in that game against Bangladesh, uh, so taking that chances, Bangladesh really could have had India under the thumb here. Chris, what have we learned on the podcast today? One, Michael Wood has a beautiful set of pipes and is a excellent piano player. Two, uh, take early wickets, take catches, win games. Mm. Top order sees mm. out the new ball, win games. Yep, yep. I know which one I think is a surprise out of those. <laughs> Let's get back to Jai. To a healthy 237 for three in the 39th over, India should have been pushing for a bigger score, but their middle order was wrecked as Mustafizor's sizzling return to form with five for 59 kept them to a disappointing 314 for nine. The Fizz, as he's nicknamed, burst onto the scene with big displays against India a few years ago before fading slightly due to some annoying injuries. His main weapon is his cutter, which he can bowl at any length. He really wraps his fingers around the ball and gives it a good old tweak with the wrist, rather than just running his fingers across it to take some pace off. Bangladesh were never really in the chase, but they certainly didn't disgrace themselves. Shakib top scored with 66 from 74 balls, and there were a couple of contributions down the order to get them to within 28 of the target before they were bowled out after 48 overs. India's great death, death bowler, Jasprit Bumrah, had the last laugh with 4 for 55, all bowled. He took out the lower middle order with slower balls and then fired out the last two with quick Yorkers. Given that so many of Rohit Sharma's runs have come after he should really have been out, I'd hold Boomer up as India's MVP so far. He has 17 wickets from eight matches despite being the bowler opposition's look to see off, which means he's missed out on a lot of wickets he really should have earned. That's why he has the lowest economy rate of anyone in the top 40 wicket takers, and he's the fourth highest wicket taker as well. 
Rohit and Bumrah were once again the heroes when India defeated Sri Lanka in their final match to make it a clean sweep of the South Asian derbies. Sri Lanka won the toss and batted first, recovering from 4 for 55 to 264 for 7, thanks to an Angela Matthews century. Matthews was one of three wickets for the indefatigable Bumrah, who finished with the princely figures of 10 overs, 2 maidens, 3 for 37. Uh, isn't it nice to see Angelo Matthews finally back in the runs, Chris? Do you think he listens to the pod yeah. and uh, heard our sledging the other week and went, I'm going to show those silly, silly boys who boss is? Especially Pat. <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned you by name. I said, yeah. I said mate, yeah. oh, I, I've gotten into you a little bit too. He's like, nah, nah, just Pat. <laughs> just, just Pat. Really, I just want to stick it up. That ginger sucker, uh, show him who is boss. It's me, Angelo Matthews, international cricketer, not you. Uh, ginger man sitting at home in Sydney. <laughs> you had some new colleagues once again with Shami and Jahal sitting out for Jadeja and Kuldeep. Jadeja was economical with 40 from his 10 overs and deepened the batting lineup, though that wasn't ultimately needed. With him listed at 8 and Bouvi at 9, this was India's strongest tale of the tournament. With both openers producing hundreds and combining for an opening stand of 189, however, the strong tail was just hanging around in the dressing room as India cruised home with seven wickets and more than six overs remaining. Rahul's 111 was his first World Cup century and a welcome breakthrough after a string of unfulfilled starts. Rohit's 103 was his fifth hundred of this tournament, a record for any batsman in a World Cup, and took him back to the top of the run scorers list just ahead of David Warner. Which of them will end up on top? It's so tight, it could just come down to a game of sandpaper, scissors, rock. Ooh. In team news, Vijay Shankar has gone home with a bruised toe, and India has summoned reserve opener Mark Agarwal, who played the test in Australia. And I have got through a whole interjection without complaining about India's number four position, which is a relief because I suspect Pat and Chris are secretly doing shots every time I mention it. I was pretty happy with Rishabh's performance at number four against Bangladesh anyway. It's now being confirmed that India will play New Zealand in the semi-final on Tuesday, which is my preferred matchup. I think India should dominate the Black Caps unless Trent Bolt bowls first on a green pitch. I see Australia and England as the two teams who can realistically outgun India, and happily one of them will knock the other out. Thank you, Jai. Yes, Chris and I have been doing shots every time you talk about the number four position. The last two episodes, we've just been drunk. Just absolutely hammered, folks. If you've been feeling like it's getting a bit loose towards the end of the episode, well, now you know. Just shots. <laughs> well, just you, Pat. I just don't function that well. Um, <laughs> look, great analysis there from Jai again. Um, just really complete. Um, makes, uh, look, bold prediction. Bold, yeah, bold prediction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think he's right. I, 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 I would think that India just have too many weapons for New Zealand. Yeah, me too. Unless something, unless something strange happens on the day. But I think you know the likes. As I said, I don't think the likes of uh, uh, Bolt, Ferguson, and um, who's my third man here, Pat? I uh, think of Henry. Henry, Bolt, Ferguson, and Henry. Um, you know, can be. Um, uh, you know, underestimated. And Sanders played a fair bit of cricket, I think, against the Indians in the IPL. So, mm. um, you know, this is... It's, I, I think it's going to be a closer game than what people think. Um, and uh, But I think uh, but I, I do see India winning in, in the end. Uh, great to see KL Rahul making some runs for India. Yeah. Um, again, it's really the re-emergence of a strong top three. Not that they've had that before. Um, <laughs> well, they wouldn't even know what that's like, Chris. They'd have no yeah. idea. They wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Um, and look, imagine if Rishabh, Rishabh Pant gets going as well. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh, it's scary times, I think, to play India. Uh, I think a note to a pretty confident that this is Lath- that was Lathis Lathis uh, Lasseth 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 uh, Lasseth Malinga Lathith. <laughs> La- La- oh, I can't say. It. I think that was Malinga's last <laughs> World Cup game, Pat. Um, uh, as well, uh, I think he's retiring after the tournament. If I'm not wrong, I think you're correct, mate. Yeah, longer form of the game and finishes off with figures of one for forty two, uh, which probably aren't fair for a man of his his stature. I think that's a tough uh, a tough way to to go out, um, and really not much there to write home about in terms of the uh, the Sri Lankan bowling. Weird weird old tournament for Sri Lanka. I think it's been yeah. a, an odd um, period in their cricketing existence. Um, Real ups and downs, really, huh? Yeah, and for me, I think um, Dick Weller was a really odd exclusion. Yeah. I didn't understand why he wasn't picked because he was one of the few dynamic batsmen for playing against Australia. When I mean, would often come in in the Test series when uh, Sri Lanka were backs against the wall and just play with a sense of freedom that some of the others didn't, um, and and took the game on. And I think um, I think they'll live to regret not picking Dick Weller, but I could be wrong. He probably ran over MS Dhoni's cat, Chris, um, which, as we're all aware, is is the big reason why people don't get picked. You know? Yeah, yeah you got to watch out for that cat. got to watch out for that cat. MS Dhoni, watch out for that cat. Um, mate, would you like to hear a bit from Adam Hassan? Would that... Would that I would love to hear from Adam Hassan. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Um, we haven't heard from Adam for a little while, so I think he's got a couple of games to cover here. But um, let's bring in the young man. Let's see how he's tracking. Well... Since the last time I spoke to you, Pakistan have won every match, beating New Zealand, Afghanistan and Bangladesh. And yet we're out of the World Cup. And you know what? I might as well just get it out of my system now. Pakistan would be in the semi-finals if our match against Sri Lanka hadn't been rained off, New Zealand's match against India hadn't been rained off, Bangladesh, South Africa or the West Indies had come through their close matches against New Zealand, India or New Zealand had won the toss against England, or wides were actually given in our first match against the West Indies. I'll explain that last one. In that first match, there were at least three balls above head height that weren't called wides, and another five balls that were above shoulder height but weren't called as such. This meant that the Windies bowlers were basically getting away with bowling three or four bounces and over, and as a result, we got all out for 105. I'm not saying that we would have necessarily won that match if the umpires had been strict to unbounces, as they have been throughout the rest of the tournament, but our net run rate would definitely have been much better, so that going into that final match against Bangladesh, we would have at least had a chance of qualifying on net run rate, rather than needing to win by 308 runs. And I'm going to be honest, we deserve to be in the semis, and New Zealand don't. I'm sorry to all our listeners from New Zealand, Ooh. but it's true. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sure he's about to explain Hot that. Hard stuff. Um, I just want to make a point here, Pat. Please, Chris. Um... I would have won a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> by now if it hadn't have been raining. I'd, I would, I'd be driving a Bugatti, Pat, but it was raining. Um, Chris, I oh. would have invested in Apple in 1984, despite only being born in 1988, but it was raining. Chris, I would have been a heart surgeon if I'd gone to medical school um, and studied and uh, passed all my exams, you know, I think we're dealing with a lot of what-ifs here from, from my dear Adam Hassan. I don't know mm, how I feel mm. about it. Um, I, I'm with him. Like, there was some poor umpiring in some of those early Pakistan games, but also play better cricket, win more games. 
Now that's a revolutionary tactic, Pat. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, but you know what? I, I like the fire. I like the fire. You know what I mean? I, I enjoy that. Um, so I'm excited to see what uh, Adam... How does he How does he back up this bold, uh, pugilistic statement uh, that New Zealand didn't deserve to make the semi-final? Yeah, and look, it's a big call considering they were on top of the list for a very long time. Let's see what he's got to back up this statement. Although, having said that, I'm not sure if we still have any listeners in New Zealand after the last few weeks. Anyway... New Zealand haven't beaten any of the teams in the top five, whereas Pakistan have beaten two. We've just sorted out our power hitter in the form of Haris Sahel, who scored 190 runs in the last four matches, and our third seamer in the form of Shahina Fridi, who's taken 14 wickets in the last four matches. So we were looking very dangerous to threaten the top three, whereas New Zealand seemed like a team who were just there to make up the numbers. And in terms of crowds, Pakistan would be so much better for the semi-finals. I've been to six matches this World Cup. I've seen Pakistan play the West Indies, South Africa and Bangladesh, and I've seen Australia play Sri Lanka, England and New Zealand. And in the Australia v England and Australia v New Zealand matches, the crowd was absolutely dead in comparison to the matches which included Asian teams. The Asian teams brought this World Cup to life, so it's sad to see that only one of them is in the last four. Anyway, New Zealand scored 237 against Pakistan, with Shaheen Afridi taking 3 for 28 of his 10 overs, including three maidens. When Shadab got Williamson caught behind, New Zealand were 83 for 5, but then de Grandom hit 64 and Nisham hit 97 not out, including hitting Amir for his first six of the tournament. I mean, of all the people, we'd played against England, Australia, India and the West Indies. And South Africa, but I don't know if that really counts. And yet the only man who could hit Amir for a six was Jimmy Nisham from the small island nation of New Zealand. But his innings wasn't enough as Baba Azam hit a stunning century to carry us over the line by six wickets and become the second fastest to 3,000 ODI runs behind Hashim Amla. Next, we played Afghanistan, who scored 227 of their 50 Hold overs, on. with Shaheen taking... <laughs> big calls, big sledging, big times from Adam Hassan. I'm just, I'm just saying. Big shots. Big shots. Big, big shots. shots. Do you know what I like? Do you know what I like? What do you like, Chris? Uh, Adam's... Adam's um, uh, first few tapes he sent us he's uh, been circumspect you know he's let a few go to he's had a look at a couple of keeper. he's mm. just got his front foot defence sorted out yep. and uh, got his eye in he's got the lay of the land he's worked out that uh, mid-on's up <laughs> and he's going for cow corner not once not twice not three times um, but a bunch many times many 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 times and I'm excited for it. I think it's great. I think we're seeing, um, Pat, the emergence of a fine young podcaster here. I, I would I would heartily agree, Chris. Uh, you know what I think happened? I think uh, Adam Adam actually lives in London. I've said him that he's from Brighton before. He lives in London. And I think he's just been on holiday and came back. And I think he got back and he got out of bed and he felt like he was Shahid Afridi in about sort of 2004, you know, um, just swinging for the fences. Just... Swinging boom boom for the fences. That's yep, that's what I feel. Uh, let's 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 keep him going. Let's let's don't stop him now. Who scored two hundred and twenty seven of their fifty overs, with Shaheen taking four wickets. The chase didn't start well, as Fakhar Zaman was LBW second ball to Majib and then wasted our review, which almost proved costly later in the innings when Harris Sahel was wrongly given LBW to Rashid Khan. We lost regular wickets, and with forty six needed from the last five overs, and Imad Wazim on twenty three of thirty seven. Gulbadeen brought himself back on due to Hamid Hassan getting injured during the second innings and then retiring from international cricket. Gulbadeen got smashed for 18 in his over, which turned the match. 
Wahabiyaz came in and hit 15 not out of 9 balls, and with 2 needed from the last 3 balls, Imad hit Gorbadin for 4 through cover to finish on 49 of 54. We've been criticised for taking this match so close, but given the fact that we lost to Afghanistan in a warm-up match before the tournament, I was happy to just take the win. Although in hindsight that could have been a very useful match for our net run rate. Against Bangladesh, we played excellently, but in reality we never really had a chance of winning by 308 runs. Babur Azam hit 96 of 98 and then got LBW to a full toss from Saifuddin after two consecutive fours. Imam Al-Haq got 100 of 99 balls and then decided that now that he was on the honours board at Lords, he wanted a rest, so he stepped on his stumps. For the fifth time in six matches, Hafiz was out to a finger spinner, although at least this time it wasn't a part-timer like it was against Finch, Markram and Williamson. Imad Wazim finished off well with 43 from 26, taking us to 315. Despite 64 from Shakib, as well as Mashrafe Mortaza hitting more sixes than India did in 50 overs against England with a 59 metre boundary. Bangladesh didn't come close, as they were all out for 221, with Shaheen 6 for 35 the best figures by a Pakistani in a World Cup, and the first bowler to take 6 wickets this World Cup. Looking back, I see where things went wrong. After our first 6 matches mirroring the 1992 World Cup exactly, everything fell apart. In our 7th match in 1992, we beat New Zealand by 7 wickets. We were on track for that this year, but with 2 runs required, Harris Sahel was run out by Martin Guptill, meaning that we only won by 6 wickets, and that is where our World Cup hopes ended. Great to have the young man back. I think that was his, that's his best work. I, I, I think we're, we're very strong this week. Oh, very, very strong. strong, Chris. Very strong. I feel like it's you and me that's letting the team down here. We're going to have to lift our own game. I wonder if we could just uh, stop the recording for a minute and go on a quick uh, knock out a Broadway tune, Chris, maybe a rap yeah. of some kind, and then uh, come back for a strong afternoon. Look, um, I was sad in a lot of ways to see Pakistan miss out, and, and they did unearth a great new fast bowler um, in Shaheen Afridi, who was just extraordinary. I, I've got his stats in front of me here, Chris, and he's played five matches in this World Cup, 16 wickets and an average of 14. Uh, he's got an economy rate of 4.9, a best bowling of 6 for 35. I mean, that's really quite extraordinary um, given that he came in halfway through the series absolutely dominated there um, and, and Pakistan has got to be stoked with that between him and Afridi they're starting to build a pretty good pace battery yeah for sure for sure uh, look it's just a shame it took them so long to get going um, and I mean they got you got to remember too they got were beaten 5-0 by Australia in the lead up they, they didn't have a great lead into the tournament I don't think I think though at one point what they haven't hadn't won uh, a game in seven games or something something obscene and we're all we're all uh, a bit dark on Pakistan um, earlier in the tournament but they came home with a wet sail and, uh, <laughs> they came home with a wet sail I love it keep going um, isn't that the saying isn't that the I don't know I've never heard it but I love it came home with a wet sail I'm pretty sure that's a thing I like it um, uh, I mean, I've never been sailing I, I, I mean <laughs> never been on a boat <laughs> You know, you, you know what would be confusing is if I was in a boat yeah. and people would be like, why is he getting buckets of water and throwing on the sails? And I'm like, well, I'm wetting the sails. I'm wetting the sails. We're, Coming home just, quick. There's not a lot of breeze around, so I'm just wetting the sails. Um, I don't know. I don't know why that works either. I, I mean, but I'm pretty sure it's wet as in like W-H-E-T. Ah. As in like wetting your appetite, but I, um, not as in like water wet. Well, Chris... Anyway. 
Speaking of uh, sailing, the the South African yep. batting lineup, if that was a boat, didn't it just come into port against the Australians? Um, didn't it really just come and dock, Bardo? Um, Chris Goodrick actually sent me a gift today of a ferry um, ramming a jetty um, to designate oh. how much he believed the South African boat had come into port. Um, sure, sure. Will you enjoy that pool game there, Chris, while we contest the semifinals? Um, <laughs> You can have that one. That's all yours. Merry Christmas. Uh, your little scamp. Um, yeah. No, look. Great stuff from Adam. And Pat, I think we need to we need to talk about the Australians quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We are dropping like flies at the moment. I'll tell you what. What? Do you know what? Prior to the tournament starting, mm. one of the people that we were like, oh man, he's so unlucky. How did he not get picked? He's just hit form at the right time and he's not he's getting squeezed out. Was Peter Hanscom? Yes, correct. Guess who's back? <laughs> He's back. Peter Hanscom. Peter Hanscom's back. So really, the hero here is Usman Khawaja's hamstring. <laughs> he, he's a team man, Usman. He's made his runs. He said, "Look, I've made my runs. Everyone knows I can play all forms of the game, right? I'm I'm not going to bowl. You know, I'm I'm better at fielding." You know I've worked hard on my fielding, but I'm not the best fielder. Um, you know what we need is Peter Hanscom, and so he's just he's just twanged his hammy a bit. He's um, just to help us out. Uh, that's the kind of team man he is, as um, well as Wade and um, and and now Mitchell Marsh being added as cover yeah. as well. Potentially Stoinis is injured. Potentially Maxwell's injured. There seemed to be a brutal net session that went on that took out yeah. three or four players. And is that the best time to have a brutal net session? <sighs> is it the I don't best think time? so, I, Chris. I'm, I'm no expert. Um, I would have thought softly, softly, a couple of little throwdowns, <laughs> um, get the eye in, you know, have a sausage roll and a diet coke <laughs> and um, a lamington and uh, just saunter on in to the semis. Well. I just, that, that would have been my play, but, um, you yeah, know, who am I to judge? Uh, look. Potentially, you know, we could have the, you know, the, the knights, uh, the, 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 the white knights um, or the yellow knights, the golden knights um, coming in. The canary yellow knights. The canary Pat, yellow coming, knights. Coming in from wherever Australia Ray are playing now. Sussex, I think. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the guys that we all went, oh, unlucky to miss. But they could come in at the last moment. They really and, could, Chris. And, and listen, what it does mean in good news is I think that it might mean that Steve Smith moves up to three, which I think is going to be mm. a very good spot for him. Um, and then either having Hanscom or Wade in that middle order um, could really solidify it. It might actually be a, a good thing for us, Chris. I mean, we looked a bit shaky in the game against the yeah. Saffers, um, and yeah. Faf Duplessis scored a really great hundred there. Um, we lacked a bit of penetration early. It was Nathan Lyon that dismissed their openers instead of yep. where we've had the Starkey or Baron the Dwarf um, get yep. a wicket early. It's also worthwhile, Chris, looking at the economy rates um, of the bowlers there. Now, in the last couple of games, all of our bowlers' economies have been below five, um, but all of them are over five, if not over six, in this most recent game against the South Africans. So, right. as much as we pointed out as being a really obvious idea to see out the new ball... Um, it really does matter. It really does. Well, and I think I think there's a couple of things here. One, it was a bit. It was a flat deck to begin with. Oh, flat. Um, it was a bloody road, mate. 
But um, I, I think one of the you know one of the points is that we all expected kind of in this World Cup it to be the World Cup of four hundred plus, and that hasn't happened. But what has happened is we've seen the value of absorbing a few dots, getting your eye in, and building an innings. And still, you know, I mean, so many scores, 300 plus, you know, it still still felt like a high scoring World Cup mm. to me. Um, and I think we've seen the value of, of really watching the ball early, being a bit more circumspect and building in innings. Um, and then at the end um, of your innings, uh, then by all means, hell for leather. You know, you have whatever license you like. And we look at, um, you know, you don't really need to look much further than David Warner. Um, I mean, Warner's been... Uh, lambasted uh, for being slow, yeah, which is ridiculous because his strike rate's still quite decent. Yeah, and uh, you know we heard Jai say earlier that he's one of the top two run scorers in um, in the tournament and has been seeing Australia through and setting Australia up beautifully. So that's that. I think that's been a trend that we've seen over the World Cup. And 122 um, off 117 in in that in that uh, game against the Saffirs is no um, poor no. effort. And what what's he got for the tournament? He's got some huge amount of runs. Um, Warner has a 638 runs and an average of 79 across nine matches. I mean, far out. 300s, 350s. It's tough to go past it, isn't it, Butter? Really? Do you know what? I, do you know what I'd love to see? For the what would you like to see, Chris? So. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, hopefully plan A happens and we've got Berendorf and Stark just absolutely firing and, you know, swinging it left and right and, and ripping stumps out of the ground and all that sort of thing. But if things don't go to plan, say we're 10 overs and it's none for 50, right? Yeah. Maybe we've gone 15 overs and it's it's none for 75, none for 90, somewhere around there. And we're thinking, oh, how are we going to get Roy and Bear still out? What are we going to do? I think Aaron Finch is the kind of man that would say, you know what? You know who's got some wickets in first-class cricket? Matthew Wade. <laughs> Bring him out. Bring him out for his 145-kilometer all-shoulder. You know who's frothing at the bit? Chomping at chomping the at bit? It. Just chomping it. Chomping at the bit who who's, who's scored a mountain of runs, is a little bit angry, and doesn't <laughs> understand what's going on, and needs to channel that anger somewhere? Matthew Wade. Yep. I would just love, love to see Matthew Wade bowl a full bunger <laughs> outside off stump, wide outside off stump, which gets uh, full, a full blood whack from Jason Roy straight to point and out. That's what I want to see in the semifinal. That would just that make would be, my life, I think. That would be extraordinary. Um, you know, in that game, the the uh, South Africans got home by ten runs in the last over. We just weren't quite able to get there. Again, Alex Carey down the bottom of the of the of the run sheet there, Chris, with eighty five of sixty nine, really got us out of trouble after a middle order from Finch down to Maxwell with scores of three eighteen seven twenty two twelve. Um, really didn't come to the party. So, you know, the fact that we've lost Kawaja Smith moves up. We might. Um, and maybe Maxwell too, depending on how he turns up, could actually be a benefit to our batting. Maxie's been so... Um, he hasn't been great, if we're honest, Chris, in the pool games. Really, has he? He was great in the lead-up, and he had a couple of good scores, but we haven't seen his devastating best in this tournament to date. So No, maybe haven't seen his devastating... I think his bowling's been all right. 
Um, I think he's bowled well. He's fielded well. He got um, pumped in the ball in this game against the Saffis, mate. He got taken to the cleaners. But you're right. In some uh, of the other games, he's been all right. 10 overs. Not, not 57. Not 57. It wasn't too bad. No, not terrible. Um, and 20, 22 dots, if you don't mind. Well, um, yeah, you make a good point. I felt like it was not our worst spot. getting hit for six is how I felt about <laughs> watching it. <back> yeah. <laughs> Look, certainly not our worst bowler on the day, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Um, <coughs> he's, he's certainly coming in, in some awkward positions. Um, didn't didn't exactly fire as we would have hoped uh, in, in this match. Uh, uh, but fair, look, fair dues to uh, Alex Carey as well. Terrific innings. Um, and really emerging, I think, as, as Australia's next um, international wicketkeeper in all forms. Does he um, deserve to be pumped up the order, Chris, is my question for you. Should Carey be batting six or even five? He's playing uh, so well. Well, it's an interesting point you make, Pat. Uh, I certainly feel reassured at knowing that Carey's in down the order. Yeah. Because I... Uh, I just, I think it's a security blanket. Yeah. It makes me feel warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. I love a security blanket. You know, and look, as much as we sort of say that um, Maxwell maybe hasn't been his devastating best, he's the kind of guy that can find form in the space of 10 balls. True. I mean, lest we forget that he made 32 off 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, okay, know. Bardo. So, listen, it's, I mentioned the line ninth before. That's actually the, tomorrow's the game when India are playing New Zealand we're playing the the English on the 11th of July at Birmingham mm-hmm. and Edgebaston which is not a happy hunting ground for Australia we are we, that's well documented um Chris are we gonna take him are we gonna take him are we gonna take him um look on the on July 7th July 11th no July 11th July 11th, the 7th of the 11th, England are going to be like 7-11 <laughs> and they're going to be open all day and all night. Um, open for the open for the taking. Um, didn't quite work there, did it? I tried there, something there, didn't quite happen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they were open for pies. Open for selling hot, sure. tasty pies. Yep. Delicious, Better. delicious pies. Come and buy them. Um, you're confident, Chris. You're confident that we're going to, we're going to take them, we're going to make the final. Look, I just uh, it's, look, on on paper. No, I'm not. Um, I think our bowlers are better than than England's bowlers. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you know when you look at the likes of look. Don't get me wrong, Joffre Archer is you know brilliant. Um, Mark Wood is brilliant. Plunkett has you know probably uh, surprised us a little bit. Um, and Adil Rashid is more than handy. Um, loves bowling against the Australians. Adil Rashid. Um, but I think when you match that up against the likes of you know Stark, who's uh, arguably been the bowler of the tournament, um, was player of, has already taken more wickets than he did in the last World Cup when he was named player of the tournament. Um, Berendorf, uh, who's been a revelation of late, Lyon, who is showing he's not just a red ball spinner but can attack in the white white ball form of the game, and and I thought did a, a fairly decent job against the South Africans. Um, and then you've got Cummins, who, you know, we've all, we all know what Cummins can do, you know, just banging in. So I think, pound for pound, our, I think our bowlers are better. Uh, I think a lot comes down to, you know, whether we find our line. I think that that it will be line and length. That'll be a, a big determinant. Um, and really what, what happens with our, our fifth bowling option and what we're able to do there. Now, 
Will it be that, that we share the duties across uh, Stoyness, you know, Stoyness and Maxwell, Stoyness, Maxwell, Finch, um, Stoyness, Stoyness, Maxwell, Maxwell Finch, Finch, Wade. Wade. Um, you know, does Mitch Marsh, Mitch Marsh play? Um, I think Mitch Marsh is probably a better bowler than Marcus Stoyness. Um, yeah, I think you're right. So there's a few a few factors here. Um, I think it really comes down to what what is Australia going to be able to put on the park um, in terms of our batting lineups. I'd probably slightly give the I, I give the edge to England in terms of uh, in terms of batting. Yeah, me too. Especially um, with Jason Roy back at the top for him, I just think that makes such a big difference. Yeah, certainly. Look, Roy, Bairstow, Root, Morgan, um, Butler. Uh, Butler. Yeah. You know, it's oh, gee. Uh, it's it's a fairly formidable lineup. Wokes, Plunkett, Stokes, yeah, yeah. gee, Stokes. So uh, you got to. I think you have the edge to England's batting. So really, then when when you take when you strip that all away, it really comes down to Australia's bowling versus England's batting. Uh, you're right. Edinburgh's not been a happy hunting ground for us. Um, but you know, uh, as, as we've said, it just comes down to what happens on the day. And England um, traditionally aren't great performers on the biggest stage. So that's correct. Um, and I think if we can get Again. in their heads, Chris, if we can win the toss and get in their brains and have some mental disintegration, that is going to be our best <laughs> opportunity to win. Look, I'm not even sure we need to do anything. I, I, I think the English get in their own heads. Um, it's, it's the wilting you know, rose, Chris. Like you said last week, the wilting rose. The wilting rose, you know, they tend to be a bit carnivorous, the English sporting fans. Um, so, I look, I, I think it's going to be a great contest. I think it'll be a great game. It's going to be a great spectacle. Um, hopefully we can, um, you know, allay some of uh, Adam Hassan's concerns that it'll be, it'll be a dour crowd because uh, I think this is arguably the biggest one-day international match that Australia and England have ever played uh, in the history of the 50-over format of the game. And what a um, what a precursor to an oh, English Ashes summer. Holy moly, Bardo. Holy moly. Mate, we better call it there. Thank you so much for your time. Big thank you to all of our correspondents. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll see if I can't put Michael Wood's song on SoundCloud um, for you to be able to download, keep, set as your ringtone, uh, make that happen. If you haven't already, crack your phone out, go to the iTunes store and hit those five stars next to two for none. It really helps us get the word out. Apparently half of you are listening to this on Chrome, which is buck wild. Um, Open your podcast app, folks. Just uh, subscribe to it. Do that for your life. Do it for me and Chris. We'd really appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. All the best. Beato, any final thoughts from you before we sign off? No. (laughs) No, no no thoughts. Look, I think it's going to, as I said, it's going to be a fantastic finale to a wonderful tournament. And um, look... We're going to have something to talk about next week, that's for sure. That is for sure. Thank you so much, B-Train. Thank you, everybody. And go those highlights!